You are listening to the sassiest podcast in the world. Born in the Nordics, democratizing B2B SaaS knowledge everywhere. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Heta Pirtajarvi, the VP of Product Management at Sievo. If you ask your mom uh, if they like your product, they'll obviously say yes. Look, this this looks great, honey. I love it. Um, but it doesn't mean that they would actually be willing to pay for that. Welcome back to another episode of the Sassiest Podcast. Happy that you are with us today. I hope you have a great day. Uh, maybe you are exercising. Maybe you are cleaning in the kitchen. Maybe you are just, you're not lying in the hammock because it's quite cold outside, at least here in the Nordics. Uh, Daniel, what are your plans for the evening? Uh, that's a great question. This evening, uh, actually, I'm watching some Champions League games. So a lot of f- football on the big screen for me today. All right. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Yes. Uh, well, on another note, uh, just promoting some of the things that are going on in our world right now, end of the year. Uh, we are recruiting for the SASIS CEO network and the executive network that you can join if you're a company that has a turnover or an ARR above 2 million euros. Uh, I think that's a great opportunity to, to learn from your peers and to increase your network. You can find more about it at sassius.com and you can go in on the community and you find the information. And also, we are planning for Sassius 2024, our flagship event in Malmö, Sweden on April 16th to 17th. You can head over to sassius2024.com and read more about it. Uh, what else makes you excited, Daniel? I mean, just in general, all the interactions that we have with you guys, like Thomas says, there are physical meetups, there are digital meetups, there's just get into on the action and we always encourage people Tell us what type of topics you want us to address and highlight and speak more about. And again, tell us also about which individuals we should put here in, in the in the spotlight. Absolutely. You can always reach out at contact at sassius.com or at LinkedIn. Just send a DM. Uh, today, we're going to talk about how you can build your products together with your customers. So let's get right into it. Today, we are super happy to have Heta Pirtajarvi, the VP of product at Sievo. Here is a guest in the Sassiest podcast. So welcome, Heta. Thank you. Great to be here. All the way from Finland today. How, how is Finland on a November day like this? Well, as you can imagine, not the, <laughs> not the sunniest and warmest weather, but it's, it's fine. It's fine, yeah. I feel, I feel November every year hits, hits surprisingly bad, but this year it's been okay. So okay. taking that. Okay. Do, do you have a way of sort of um, handling the darkness and the you know, cold weather or so? Any... Is it the sauna? Sauna is a definitely a good one. And then my pro tip is to have these like super bright lights. I guess there's like an actual market for them to have like a few minutes of really bright lights in the morning that really wakes you up. So that helps. Thomas, I feel that going forward, anytime we have a Finnish person in the podcast, we have a standing question. Do you have a sauna in your office? <laughs> Heta, do you have a sauna in your office? We don't, but that would be amazing. I'll have to pitch it to our HR team. <laughs> yeah, I know Supermetrics have it, so uh, oh. you should as well. So Nice. Yeah. All right, but, but tell us uh, about yourself, Heta. Who are you? 
Yeah, so, so I'm Heta. Um, I am a Finnish uh, native uh, living here, but lived uh, in the U.S. and in a few other places my, my, uh, during my life as well. So that's something that people always ask me, like, you don't really sound Finnish. Um, but yeah, um, living here in Helsinki, um, indeed the VP product management at Sievo, been with the company for about four years now. Okay. And when I'm not working, I'm doing a lot of sports. Oh yeah, what kind of sports? I do CrossFit and then tennis. Oh wow! Okay, uh, I tried CrossFit three times and then my back started hurting. <laughs> yeah, I've I've heard that story before as well. <laughs> but it's like I I, th- I think the you cannot go to CrossFit unless you're already fit. That's my theory. You got to be somewhat semi-fit, otherwise those Olympic lifts will kill you. So I, I guess I'm telling the world here I, I'm not fit. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can join as well, but the workouts can be quite tough. So I give you that for sure. Yeah, there is no light version. There is a light version uh, version as well. Yeah. No, Heta, <laughs> Heta, there's not. Th- Thomas, if you ever walk into what they call these CrossFit boxes, you might think before you go in there like I'm going to take it easy, and then you see everybody going at it like crazy, like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> then you cannot take it easy. No. And also another question, Heta, what brought you around the world then? Um, just many things, you know, internships internships here and exchange studies there and work here. And uh, I, I just, I love to explore the world basically. So I'm always trying to also find those opportunities to, you know, talk to a client on the other side of the world or, or whatever. Okay, awesome. Great. Uh, what can you tell us about Sievo? What do you guys do? So we're a procurement analytics company. We've been in the space for around 20 years. So we're the largest uh, company in the world focusing purely on on this space. Wow. Uh, so so basically what we do is that we take, we extract data, spend data from, you know, for instance, tens of ERP systems, take that into, into our system, cleanse it, uh, make the data actually readable and insightful, and then create dashboards that uh, help procurement professionals make better decisions, basically. Okay, and who is the person that gets the happiest with what you do with your product? Who, who's sitting and smiling at their office? So the large companies, so the the large enterprises with more than 1 billion uh, euros in spend, basically, um, any industry, so it can be, you know, it can be the Unilever, it can be the Levi's or the Carlsberg, um, but basically any any large com- company, the more complex, uh, the better, better for us and the more happy they are. Okay. All right. Cool. So just to try to put some numbers on this already, you you already mentioned that you're the biggest in your space. How big are you? What is your ARR currently and how fast is that ARR growing? So it's around 25 million mm-hmm. uh, ARR currently and we're growing or we we have been growing for the past many years around 30% each year. So yeah, going quite fast. That is quite fast at that range. How many customers do you have? I'm thinking like... Uh, how many 1 billion spend customers are out there like and how many of those do you have <laughs> uh we have around 150 customers or a bit more yeah. more than 150 customers now so there's still a lot of room to grow there no worries on that <laughs> i can imagine and which which markets are predominantly your core markets to do business in in terms of like industries or, or regions regions um any any region, um, mainly EMEA and then the US. Gotcha. That's where most of our customers are. Gotcha, gotcha. And are you located mainly in Finland or do you have offices worldwide? Yeah, we have three offices. So we have our headquarters are here in Helsinki and then we have offices in Chicago in the US and then in Bucharest in Romania. Okay. And how many people are you guys today to support this exercise? 
We're getting close to 400 now. Okay, 400 strong team. Uh, and tell us a little bit how you guys have been financing this this exercise so far. Yeah, so that's actually an interesting one because we were bootstrapped for the basically our entire history until last year when we secured our, our first funding of, of 44 million euros. So that's been been an exciting thing for the whole company now. Yeah, and what happened that because you guys have been around for some time, what was the trigger point that you guys felt like now is the time to leave the bootstrapping era behind us and go into the VC world? I think there was a lot of reasons. Um, we have always been approached by a lot of uh, a lot of companies, you know, trying to uh, be interested in us. Of course, I think just a lot of the things that were happening in the market and how we've also grown to a certain space with the bootstrapped way, um, but just also realizing the opportunities that we could be approaching if we had a bit more more money to also do that. Okay, and what? Uh, who was the VC that got the bite of you? So Sesquehana. Okay. From the US. Cool. Uh, and uh, today we're going to talk about how you can build your products together with your customers and if that is a good thing to do. Some some different experience of doing that or not doing that. So, I mean, what do you really mean when you say that you can build your product with the customers? Because I, I guess you're not uh, sort of... Um, parallel coding with them so yeah yeah it, i think it can be a lot of things so first of all i think it requires just having that that mindset of being you know customer centric we always try and uh, get the voice of the customers in in anything that we do i think there's a lot of different ways of doing that you know you know asking you're talking to the customers or asking them what they think of your product or actually going through specific buttons in your dashboards of what they like, etc. So yeah, a lot of approaches to put it shortly. Yeah. And who's the one that is capturing these, um, yeah, this input from the customers? And what does that process look like? Or what should it look like in, in your view? Yeah, so in our context, it's mainly the product managers uh, that are doing this work. That's that's worked quite nicely for us. Okay. Um, I do have kind of what I was also thinking in advance when we were uh, talking that this could be the topic of today. I also do have a few kind of examples of how we have done this. One that didn't work as well, and then one that worked a bit better. Um, so I could also share that. That could sure. bring a bit more more context in, in what we actually do. Yeah, I mean, that, that would be great great to, to, to understand. But j just before we go into those lessons learned, from your perspective, I'm curious also to, to Thomas' question here that when you talk about the voice of the customers, mm -hmm. tell us about the tactics that you guys are using to get that voice in. Like you mentioned that you speak to them, you, there's probably some in-system way, but concretely how do you collect that um many ways so first of all just user research so um talking to the customer we have different ways of collecting that so we have different tools that we use yeah ones that uh the customers themselves can kind of add their comments on so we use a company called product board for instance where we have all of our roadmap items and the customers can say okay i think this makes a lot of sense i think this is very boring uh, things like that so can they upvote features there so they can suggest and upvote and down downgrade basically yeah and give open comments 
Yeah. Okay. And and what are the benefits or the drawbacks of doing that? Because I know that some product managers think that it's a little bit dangerous and uh, are reluctant to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. We've had a lot of these discussions when we were thinking, okay, should we actually give access to our customers? And there were a lot of pros and cons. So, so I agree there are challenges also with if you just have too much uh information like basically information overload from all the customers but i think you know if if slash when we have capable product managers of uh, you know really realizing what's relevant information from that i think it's just really really useful to to get that input and not just be in our own little dark room yeah. uh and developing things that we think are useful and how many product ideas do you have there in product board that is you know comes from the customers um, so currently there's like, we're talking about tens of, um, ideas. Okay. So it's not hundreds at the moment. Yeah. So we just started using this. Okay. Tool. Yeah, yeah. So let's see. It could be that next week we're drowning <laughs> in them and I'll get back to you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I've had the experience of that. There can be hundreds. Yes. And, you know, also if you put it out there, you also have an obligation to sort of respond to it. Maybe sometimes also explain why you don't want to do it. Yeah. And then also yeah. there will be loads of similar things. So you might need to merge them. But uh, yeah, let, let's see if you get there or not. Yeah, but, uh, exactly. Me, myself, I, I believe in doing it actually. But uh, I think you also need to to have the resources in doing it. Because if you as a product manager, you're going to spend, I mean, 25% of your time just managing the, the product board, then then it's no good, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's that's an interesting one that you just raised, that we also need to be prepared to also um, say why we're not developing something when, you know, 10 customers are having this super great idea and then we just say no. Yeah, so <laughs> sorry. It requires, it requires that as well. Yeah, that, That's for a different episode. So, okay, so that's one systematic way of getting it. Do you also have, I don't know, we've heard that some people have direct possibilities in the platform itself so as people are in there using the, your software then they can start you know uh, recommending suggestions or whatever it is do you guys also do something like that that we don't so that we um we do gather like an mps like a questionnaire yeah that's ongoing in the system that they can comment there we don't have specific um features in the dashboards themselves so that that's mainly gathered through like qualitative uh, interviews and discussions. And who does those interviews? You said it's it's your product managers, but is it also? I'm assuming now that you have some customer success team. Are they also involved in that exercise? Um, they are, yeah. So they have, for instance, weekly calls or or quarterly business reviews with with different stakeholders, and that's always when we try and kind of uh, pitch into their meetings as well. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So so tell us a little bit about this because I know, like you said here, you've had. Uh, two quite opposite uh, experiences. One that was really good working with the customer, yeah, and one was that maybe not so great. Yeah, so so maybe I can start with the <laughs> start with the bad news, so to say. So start with the ones that where we learned from, because that then that really helped us uh, for the future as well. Yeah, yeah. So so we, ha as I mentioned, we uh, work with procurement data, spend data, and we had this idea. This was a few years back that we could do this kind of peer benchmarking, uh, where you could benchmark what you're buying versus what what the other customers are buying. I mean, we have a lot of data. The customers have asked to compare their data and I mean the feedback was really that this makes a lot of sense 
And how we were doing this is that we were basically showing this idea to our customers and all of them basically said that this makes a lot of sense. Sounds really, really great. Um, but guess how many paying customers we then got actually in the end? I'm going to guess not very many, none. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one. Well, and okay. even, they, even they weren't very happy. <laughs> basically, it was really hard to sell in the end and no one was, no one was using it. And what we really learned from there was that kind of just presenting to the customers that this is what we have, doesn't make sense, is really the wrong question to ask. And it, it kind of falls into, there's this book around the mom trap, uh, which I think is really, really useful here that, you know, if you ask your mom uh, if they like your product, they'll obviously say yes. Like, this, this looks great, honey. I love it. Um, but it doesn't mean that they would actually be willing to pay for that. And I think, I mean, we have super happy customers. Kudos to our customers team who really make a good, um, who, who are really good at keeping our customers happy. They love us, so they don't want to hurt our feelings. So if we show some something in the dashboard, they may comment on the specific, you know, features and specific buttons, but they wouldn't say that this whole thing doesn't make you know, I wouldn't buy this. I wouldn't pay for this. Right. Uh, so that's that's a clear mistake we did there. Invested in it and then wasted quite a lot of resources. So basically, we really learned that the product market fit and uh, really understanding the key like drivers behind the customers' comments is is really really crucial. So is there another question to ask then, or is it like what, what did you? How did you overcome this? Yeah, so so in the one the other product that we then launched kind of after this where we ultimately learned from our our mistakes from the past um is that we weren't really asking, we weren't really showing our product at all in the beginning. What we were basically asking them is, you know, how are you actually doing this right now. You know, we were talking about a CO2 emissions tracker, uh which first of all was at the time, super hyped. You know, everyone is measuring their emissions right now, and 80% of emissions come from the supply chain. So we had a really good uh, kind of time on our hands. Um, but what we were doing is we were just talking to these customers. You know, how how is your day today? I would just go on a lunch with them and ask, you know, what are you doing today, uh, etc. And really understanding what their needs are more than even talking about our product at all. Um, and that really, really helped us understand the product market fit a lot more and uh, helped the customers really get a tool that they would actually use in the future as well. Okay. So so in practice, you said that you you looked sort of how their daily work went by. So was this people out in the workplaces, you know, following people around or how did you go about it? Yeah. We didn't do that, but we it was just like talking. I did do a lot of those. Um, I was the product manager for that product at the time. I did do a lot of those that we would just sit with a customer and I would ask them to, you know, share their screen uh, and show them, show me like what they've been working on today, for instance. Yeah, okay. Um, and then just really like casual, you know, coffee chats and lunch chats here and there just to understand how they're thinking about this, not even like the product, but how how they are thinking about the whole area. Yeah, but did you ask them specifically like, hey, Josh, oh, oh, cool, I, I see you analyzed this today or you did this in the platform today. What what else would make your uh, work easier or better or faster? Did you ask targeted questions like that or it was just you observing at this point? 
It was both. So in the beginning, it was it was a lot of observing. I tried to even like limit myself of asking questions of kind of the future of you know what could be, um, but more understanding the the now. And then exactly like you said, so okay, now you're doing this. What would help you um, if you were to you know have a million dollars now? What would you, what one thing would you develop here, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Are you building a SaaS business? Achieving ISO 27001 or SOC 2 compliance can help you win bigger deals, enter new markets, and deepen trust with your customers. But it can also cost you real time and money. Vanta automates up to 90% of the work needed to get and stay compliant. Get audit ready in weeks instead of months and save up to 85% of associated cost. Over 6,000 fast growing companies use Vanta to manage risk and prove security in real time. Sassiest listeners get 20% off Vanta at Vanta.com slash Sassiest. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash Sassiest. So I'm curious, like, how do you pitch this to the the product users, I suppose? this like, you know, do you send them an email and say like, hey, we need some input for uh, a roadmap. I'd like to observe you as you click away for an hour. Like, <laughs> How do you sell this story to them? Yeah. And what is it in for them? Why should they take an hour of their time, however frequently you guys do this, to sit with you? I think there were a few approaches. One was that I was just approaching people saying that, hey, I'm, I just really want to understand this market and you seem like an expert. Uh, can we talk? And surprisingly, many people said yes. You know, people love to talk about their jobs. I, I do as well. That's why I'm also here on the podcast, you know. <laughs> that's what that's what people do. Um, the other thing is that that we also mentioned that, okay, we're kind of looking into if we should uh, build a product in this space. And in order to do that, we really need to understand how you're doing that today. And uh, our customers, again, as, as they are so... So nice they they helped us out here. Yeah. And was there any ideas that you had to kill? So you had some ideas and thoughts, some working thesis internally, and then you went out and observed people working and you felt like, okay, we've been thinking incorrectly about this. We need to kill this one. And vice versa. Were there any ideas that were generated and maybe you had an epiphany when you sat with the customers oh a lot a lot a lot yeah for instance like in the beginning we had thought that we should measure the emissions of the whole company and that made a lot of sense you know we had some customers saying that they would need the emission tracking of their whole company but then when i started actually sitting down with the users i realized that actually the you know procurement is measuring totally different emissions than someone in their sustainability team and it and it's the day to day day to day work is very different the sustainability can, team can like just report that versus procurement is using it on a day to day so that's something that we then realize okay we actually only need to focus on procurement emissions uh, for instance yeah mm. okay and i'm curious then how frequently do you have this type of conversations with your customer what's a good frequency uh, it's a good question because I think it really depends on the product. If it's like our our main product where we really think at least that we know the customer quite well, uh, then it can be quite uh, quite rare. Um, if it's, for instance, a new product, a new market, even then, I feel that it needs to be it needs to be constant. Okay. So I I don't think it, there's like one answer to that. And in your case, I mean, you did these exercises. Uh, is that you know? your general recommendation this should be the product managers or, or should it be you know several people gathering this information or should you have sort of one person focusing on this or any thoughts there yeah i think in general 
when we're trying to kind of spread knowledge across the organization, it's great. But the more steps there are in between, you know, the sales person uh, writes sales notes and then, you know, the designer reads those and then tells that to the product manager. There's always information that gets left out in between. Yeah. So as po- like when it's possible, I always urge to really go directly to the source. So in that sense, I really do think that it's it's useful useful that it's the one product manager that directly talks to the customers to to find those insights. Okay. So the one that is responsible for that product should be the one that sits with the customers and get that firsthand. Exactly. Okay. So do you also have then customer advisory board or some champions of some kind, like five, 10 people that you hang out with more frequently for some reason? Because I guess maybe they're more more and a greater representation of your customer base or the future customer base? Um, We don't specifically, but we do have kind of like a champion in each company themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are people that we work with quite closely. Uh, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it can be even too closely. I think there was this case with with this CO two product that I was so involved with the customers that it was one one weekend when one of our customers messaged me on WhatsApp about a question about her product, and I was like, okay, this is like we're too close now. <laughs> um, but no, but it's it's really really great that we have these customers who who are really always willing to. That's why you draw the line. What's up? What's up? That, that's what what's up on a weekend? Yeah. Okay. What's up on a weekend? What's up on an evening? That can that can work. That can work. Okay. <laughs> Thursday evening. Okay. I mean, as a salesperson, I would love if my uh, when I was an operator, if yeah. my cu- customers and prospects would WhatsApp me. Exactly. That that would be a, a good sign. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. So I mean, it sounds all good here, developing and innovating with your customers, but there must also be some challenges. So what would they be? Yeah, I, I think there's a few, and we almost touch upon uh, one of them, which is that, you know, if if we really innovate quite closely with the customers um, and they have great ideas and we're very grateful for their ideas, there is a big pressure to also then develop these ideas. So it can sometimes be really hard to say, you know, great that we've been working on this initiative for two months, but actually, you know what, we're going to go with something else. Yeah. Um, that's a lot easier if you've just had discussions internally. Mm. I think that's that's one of the key challenges. The other key challenge is that if you are focusing on the customer, that's that's really really great, but I mean for us let's say we have 150 customers, but there's thousands of large enterprises out there. So it can also a bit limit your view. You know, some customers may even be very very loud and vocal about their ideas and thoughts even though, you know, the other leading companies out there may think something totally different. So just kind of keeping that perspective in mind as well. Yeah, and I mean we just had an episode around product marketing and I mm-hmm. mean the situation could come up that the product marketeer says that this is what we see in the market, this is you know what's happening out there and you say, yeah. well I just sat with these customers and they want this and that exactly. and so on. Could, could there be any conflicts there or Yeah, there can definitely be conflicts and I think we've we've also had those many times that um you know our customers say something but then we just have to I think what it requires is also just having a good enough understanding of the market. Like, hey, I, I respect your opinion, um, but the market really, we believe, is going this way. So, you know, let's check back in half a year. Uh, let's discuss then. But we, we see that it's going in the other direction. And another thing, I mean, in order to dare to have these conversations with the customer, I guess that you also must have some confidence in that your product team actually can deliver, that you're not in sort of a situation where you know that 
we won't be able to li- deliver anything for the next six months because we are in total maintenance mode. Mm. Yeah, that's that's true as well. Yeah, if 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 the customer never gets anything, then they kind of lose trust and uh, motivation to also be involved. Yeah, and I, I guess you also lose um, motivation yeah, sitting there sure. knowing that well, this is all great, but I won't be able to deliver it. So exactly. Yeah. So I have a question about, you know, managing the customer's expectations and so on. And uh, I'm speaking uh, out of uh, own experience here. Sometimes you have some customers that are larger in size, Mm. like large from all kinds of aspects. They are big as companies well known out there. They are maybe the ones that also pay you the most on a regular basis and so on. And, And sometimes you have to potentially say no to this customers like sorry i know you're our biggest customers i know you have a strong footprint in the space but you're wrong like how do you handle that those are challenging especially because you know if our customer representatives are are involved obviously they don't want to lose the the big and important customers right um there it is a lot harder to also say no and uh i think justifiably, if, if that's a word, or rightfully so, um, these customers are often maybe listened to a bit more because they, if they are like the biggest companies in the world, they probably have gathered a bit of best practices on, on how to do this. Um, but I think it's just the same as for any customer that we need to have a good enough understanding of the whole market um, and the kind of wide range of customers to be able to to say no. All right, cool. So if you would try to sort of uh, drill it down to three tips to how you can build products together with your customers, what would that be? Three tips. Um, first of all, to one, to do it. I think uh, it's very dangerous to just be in a dark room with, with the team and uh, not talk to customers. That's definitely the first thing. The second thing is to ask the right questions. So not only show uh, your product and ask them, you know, what button color would you change, but actually understand the the deeper reasons and and meanings behind that. And then what would I say as the third one? The third one is always the the most trickiest one. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I think the third one is that, you know, even though the customer's voice is, is super important, but to always triangulate that with, with all the other information and not just listen to, to one important customer in isolation as well. Okay, so this has been very exciting and very insightful. Um, and, and you guys obviously have a exciting future ahead for you. So if we would be to speak with you again here in, let's say, a year and a half, two years time, what new would have happened to Cielo? A lot. I think we're really at this stage, especially from our product now, that we're really starting to get our product to the next level that I'm personally super excited about. So we launched a new AI and machine machine learning team earlier this year, and we've been investing quite heavily into that. So we've been seeing quite a lot of, you know, just new insights from our data that we just haven't had in the past. So I would expect if we talk in a year from now, I think our our product would be super, um, or, or our product would be a lot more closing the the data to action gap in a way, just due to all these new technologies that we have. Yeah, and in order to support you on this journey, 
Is there anything you're particularly looking for right now? Like you have a chance to do a shout out to the Sassius community. Is anyone out there, do you think anybody that can help you? Um, I think one thing is that now as, as we are growing, as we are taking all these really new ways of working also into use, kind of how to ensure that the, the organization change changes with that. So that whole change management uh, of, you know, basically revolutionizing your, your product and ways of working. I think that's something that we'll need to be considering in the next months to come. Gotcha. That, 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 that makes a lot of sense. And is there anybody out there that inspires you particularly? So if you would say like, Heta, we have this guest coming up on the podcast in the next few weeks, then you'll be like, yes, can't wait for that drop. Who would that person be? That's a hard one. I would... I do follow some leaders from Google. I think, I mean, as we know, Google is one of those those companies that does a lot of things right. So I don't have one particular person in mind. It, but. Is there a particular topic you feel that that's a topic of interest? I think this whole, whole AI uh, thing is, is of interest. I think it's... I'm just very annoyed of seeing, you know, the word AI and because it can mean anything and companies <laughs> all over the world are just trying to say that they are, you know, doing a lot of stuff in that, even though it, they're they're not. So actually kind of cutting the hype and uh, explaining of what really is possible and how companies can can incorporate that into their own products, I think is interesting. Yeah, are you doing stuff in AI? <laughs> we are now as well, but no, but I think, I think for us, we're actually doing something. Okay. All right. I see. No, but I, I'm with you on that one. Like, you know, I don't have the energy, nor would it give me any value, but it would probably give me a lot of joy. If you go and look at companies' LinkedIn profiles, yeah, you'd be surprised how many have now updated to say like yeah, AI-powered so AI, AI HR tech, AI-powered sales enablement, AI-powered this, AI-powered that. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Heta, it was great having you on the show. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your experience and insights. It was great, and we have learned a lot today as well. Thank you so much. Yeah, see ya. Thanks. Bye. Take care. So, Daniel, what are your takeaways from the episode today? You know which one I'm going for, right? I guess. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm going for what she referred to the mom track. No, you took it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I thought that was, uh, it's so simple, but it, it, sometimes we all forget and miss about it. Like I thought it was very clever. Of course, when you have good relationship with your customers and you go and tell them like, hey, look at this new shiny button. Do you guys like it? They'll be like, yeah, 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 it's cool. It, it looks cool. But it doesn't really indicate anything if they would buy it, if they would pay for yeah. it. So It's like when we ask people, what do you think about the podcast? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, when we ask you that, what you think about the podcast, we want you to be brutally honest and hopefully that brutal brutal honesty means that you love it no but b back to to the mom trap I, I think it's it just make, made me think that there's a certain way to get the feedback correctly without you you know somehow you coloring the answer of whomever is answering it yeah, yeah. what about you thomas well i think it's really good to sit together with the customers i loved you know just getting on on a call, a team's call, getting some coffee and, and watch them work. How do you usually do this? And, and talk about, you know, if, if you had that million dollar, what would you develop? What would be the feature that you would like in order to sort of uh, have a better experience with the products? I, I think that was a good one. Yeah. Um, and I think with that, uh, I mean, we, we're going to close for today. Um, looking forward to a lot more episodes here in the end of the year. And uh, also again, uh, if you have any ideas, if you want to 
just come in contact with us in any way reach out at contact at sassiest.com and let's get on a call or just have a conversation see you around appreciate you all and uh, have a great evening take care now